Hello, this is the Improve, Inspire, Impact podcast, although it has now evolved slightly because I'm calling it the journal series. And I've done this because I want to bring attention to what it's like living with mental health issues. Because life is not always awesome and you just can't positively think your way out of a situation all the time. Although there are those who strongly believe that you can and they will constantly remind you of it. Life is real. It has its ups and it has its downs. It's my intention to share those ups and downs by reading parts of my journal. Journaling has become really popular with good reason, I think. And I've been journaling now for about six months to a year. What I've been doing is leaving it a few days after I've written a journal entry and then I read it back. Because when I read it back, I get a fresh perspective on it. So what you're going to hear is what I've written plus my self-psychoanalysis, which is probably way off the mark because I've absolutely no expertise in the field, but an awful lot of experience of living with it. So what it is, is a voyage into my psyche, and hopefully some people will relate to the way I feel. Now, part of this is going to sound like I'm trying to narrate an audiobook because it's me reading exactly what I've written. I write things in different ways on different days. On certain days I'm very staccato, that's when I've just got so much in my head that I have to just get it down. And when that's the case, I have to try and fill in the blanks to make complete sentences at times. Before you hear the journals, you'll need to know a bit about me for context. I'm 47, married and a mother. I was first diagnosed with anxiety and depression at 16 and then with eating disorders at 26 and 45. I do have a disclaimer on this. There are some things I won't share out of respect for people who may be involved. This is about my feelings and thoughts about situations and not a reflection on the situations themselves. Let's start at the beginning of the year. The year started off with some poetic thoughts or questions that I was asking myself. I'll read them out. Why look back? Only the why is in the past. Who can address this? Only me. How can I move forward? By not dwelling on the why. When will it get better? When I get off my backside and commit to doing something about it. What is something? More than nothing. How much more than nothing? That depends. As much as I need to do to convince myself that I'm doing enough, and that's subjective. A couple of days later, and I'm still on the enough theme. I think it's going to be a recurring theme throughout the year, as it has been over the last, I don't know, 30 years. So this is what I wrote. I'm frightened of people thinking that I'm not trying hard enough, because in my mind, people are perceived as more worthy if they show an ability to overcome challenge. Overcoming challenge is something that I admire and aspire to. For example, today I can't stop eating. I know that I shouldn't go down the road of calorie counting or restriction, but it would feel like I was trying harder or hard enough if I did that. It would show commitment and willpower and control. Whereas if I don't, then I won't feel like I'm trying hard enough, although the outcome would obviously be physically healthier, but mentally I'd be screwed. 
So probably overcoming that challenge would make me feel more worthy, but I'm not actually sure. These are a couple of thoughts that happened overnight that I jotted down. Um, I've expanded on the first one because I understand it. This thought was in response to a feeling of unworthiness and also nervousness about potentially doing something that I need to ask for help with. So this is the thought. When I was about seven, I was in the local town pantomime. And at the end of the show, we all got our programme signed by the other members of the cast for mementos. But I was still too scared to ask for those signatures because I was nervous of people and I was worried that they were going to refuse to sign mine. So to compensate for this, I wrote things on my own programme and pretended that they were from someone else. And reading this journal back, I realise now that that's something to do with the fear of rejection. Anyway, three hours later and I still can't sleep and I write, this is word for word, Stop talking negatively to yourself, you dissatisfied fucking miserable bitch. I know that's not helpful, but I actually genuinely don't know how to stop negative self-talk. This is Friday the 8th of January now, and I've written, hell, it's icy out there. Tried to run shortly after six this morning and didn't even make it out of eyesight of the house without fearing I'd go A over T. Decided to get a coffee and try and have a walk instead, but it was just as bad, so gave up and did some strength training. During the very brief walk, I wondered what the hell I was doing. What would I do if I fell over and did some serious damage, which meant that I wasn't able to walk or do any exercise for a while? How the hell would I cope with that? And the answer is I wouldn't. So therefore, I did potentially the right thing and persuaded myself that it was a bit futile and dangerous to continue and best to go back home. So I guess that I have to celebrate this one as a small win. Later on in the morning I fetched my mum because she'd had her first Covid vaccination injection but I just couldn't do the small talk which is very selfish of me because I'm the only person that she's seen in person to talk to since Christmas. And I felt quite guilty because I couldn't generate that energy to interact. Now, reading back that entry, I've realised that that is something to do with probably with being out of routine in the morning. And the stress from that has just carried through to my day. So I need to learn how to not let being out of my routine affect me. I wrote this entry because I'd had a message from someone who actually listened to these podcasts and they listened to the last couple, which have been basically me ranting on, um, but they're actually related to them. And it made me feel I've got a purpose for doing this and I've made some sort of connection, but that's kicked off another thought that I want to explore again to do with connection. So I wrote this. Every Sunday up until COVID, I went to a social running group with my family. I used to love it and we had a laugh and I felt completely comfortable socialising with the people there. But since we stopped doing it, I don't want to go back. It's nothing to do with the people who are there by and large, but it's about the effort that it takes to pretend I'm really enjoying it when sometimes I'm just not. 
It's brilliant in the fact that the group is all-inclusive, so it doesn't matter if you're walking or jogging or running fast, whatever. And I know that it's a lifeline to several people who live on their own and have really missed the social aspects of it, in particular during lockdown. The problem is I've lost that connection with the people who I've been around in some capacity for the last 20 years. And it's not that I've not seen them and it's an out-of-sight, out-of-mind thing. It's something within me that I can't define. I'm not sure what it is. I've fronted it out really successfully for a long time. I've showed up in order not to let the family down and to set an example to my children for fitness and exercise. But it's become a monumental effort over the last year or so prior to the COVID lockdown. Gradually, I withdrew socially. People just got bored or annoyed with me, quite understandably, because I just couldn't connect with them. It was uncomfortable and I was only there physically and not mentally. I just wanted to go do my thing, which at that time was just burn some calories through running and then go home. I didn't want to have the engagement in conversation. I completely shut down. I wouldn't let anyone reach me because I didn't understand why they should make the effort when I wasn't reciprocating. Physically, getting out of the house and doing the exercise was what I wanted and needed to do, but I didn't want the added complication of socialising. But I don't think there were many occasions when I went out and about that I didn't feel better when I got back. However, there were plenty of times that it took a supreme effort to get there just to go running. Going back when things get back to normal is really non-negotiable. I will do it because that's the way I roll. But do I go around apologising for being quiet or do I just show up and pretend that nothing's happened? And should I even need to apologise for feeling the way that I do? The group itself is a microcosm of society. I've had an insight into so many people's lives. We've had births, marriages, deaths, affairs, divorces, illness, the lot. And one thing that the group does really well is support each other. We don't use our proper names there and we don't usually discuss work things. So in that respect, it's a great leveller. But there's one member who's had a particularly rough time and it's someone who was so admirably fit and healthy and took part in extreme running events. The last few years have been really traumatic for them and when they returned after their long absence I was just shocked and saddened because they were a shadow of their former self and it made me feel how grateful that I am that I'm still healthy enough to be doing stuff not at the level they were but that I can still make the effort towards it. I look at them and I want to say something or strike up a conversation, but I really don't know how to. And it makes me wonder if that's how people see me when I'm in a withdrawn phase and I don't blame them at all. This entry is from Tuesday, the 12th of January, which was obviously quite a bad work day, judging by what I've written. I'm not sure whether I'm affected more by this lockdown than the first one. Things are the same for me because I work from home, except the whole family are here, but we're very lucky in that everybody has their own space that they're confined to and they all do their own thing. Obvious to say this, but as far as work is concerned, it's about fear of the unknown. It's obviously nothing to do with the cause with COVID, but it's the lack of solution and the lack of information that's available in certain work-based areas. It's all very well knowing that there are other people with the same questions in the same situation, 
but I don't have the patience to wait for the answers. I wish I could just sit back and wait, but I feel that the lack of knowledge of how to approach this is actually my fault, that I'm supposed to have some superpower that foresaw all of this after the last lockdown, and I should have had plans and procedures in place to deal with it. I worry that I might be wrong in the conclusions that I have, or if I misinterpret legislation. But yet when I switch into a rational work-based mode, I can give all the motivational talks and pretend I'm in control and tell everyone that we can only act on the information that we have. Whereas the irrational part of me thinks that I should be able to solve all this, and the irrational part is definitely in control today. It's making me very irritable, I feel extremely pressurised, and if anyone else says, you've got this, then I may have to tell them to fuck off. Now it's Wednesday the 13th of January and I'm obviously still incredibly annoyed with work. This has made me angry because it's happened for the second year running and it absolutely reinforces everything that I believe about myself. I've just been given the results of a staff questionnaire to disseminate. Apparently all staff have filled this questionnaire in, except no one has asked me to fill it in, so it's not all staff. However, the return rate is apparently 100%, so they've forgotten me. Exactly the same thing happened last year, and I feel that my opinion is obviously not of interest. So that makes me feel like I don't exist and I don't matter. Trying to be optimistic on this one, at least I didn't have to spend my time considering my answers. So I have unknowingly gained five or ten minutes of my life, but it is difficult to be retrospectively grateful for something that I couldn't appreciate at the time. The way I'm feeling now is quite intense, so I'm trying to think of the other side of things as to how I would feel if I had been involved in the questionnaire. And to be honest, I'd feel nothing. So why am I worrying about it? I certainly wouldn't feel the polar opposite to the way I'm feeling now. Um, Therefore, I wouldn't feel especially grateful. The thought for this day was, I am invisible except for when people can see me, when I become very self-conscious. That's it. End of thought. Then it moved on to, I'm hoping that I'll shortly switch into get shit done mode again because I'm on the lethargic side and need that boost. It'll come over the next week or so, I'm sure, but in the meantime, everything is a bit mundane and I feel as if I'm not operating optimally. Being positive, I'm loving my new watch. After a particularly vile run this morning where I wheezed my way around four miles up and down hills, it said that I had a fitness age of 20. That's less than half my age. I don't really believe the metrics that this watch spits out, but at least it's objective in its own way. It doesn't have emotions and it doesn't care what I think of it, so it's got no filter. It doesn't worry if it's going to upset me. I can swear at it and it won't take offence. So ideal, it's my best friend, my new best friend and I believe that it really does have my interests at heart. I think that is actually something to do with the fear of emotional connection. I think I was considering what I was going to call this podcast, and I came up with this list of adjectives, which all start with the letter M, because it started off with middle-aged, married and mother. Three things that I definitely am. So then I decided to supplement it with some other adjectives beginning with them that I'd either heard 
other people call me or that I actually thought about myself. So the list goes like this. Mental, melancholy, malnourished, I'm not anymore. Moral, mysterious, monotonous, myopic. That's not literally because I'm actually long-sighted. Mad, methodical, morose, mischievous, mediocre, moody, modest, mathematical, menopausal, not quite, meticulous, maladjusted and malleable. Not sure that really helps with the title, but that's what I wrote. It looks like Friday was my intention setting day that week because I've written, today I'm officially giving up intermittent fasting. I think I started doing it with 5-2 back when Michael Mosley did a TV program on it years ago and in some shape or form I've been doing it ever since. This is primarily because it played into my hands quite nicely as a way of restricting food, adding fuel to the disordered eating. I'm not into intuitive eating. I've tried that and it doesn't work for me. It's just too stressful and too big a leap of faith at the moment. That's not to say I'm not going to go in that direction in the future. But for now, I am going to eat breakfast when I want to because I'm fed up with feeling freezing cold in the morning and it seems that, seems that I warm up once I've eaten. I also get really annoyed if I break the fast too early. So I'm trying to find that balance between intuitive eating and intermittent fasting. I'm not entirely sure how it's going to play out, but I'm hoping that I've put intermittent fasting to bed now. And I've written my intention down and I intend to stick with it. So that's the first couple of weeks of January out the way. It's now halfway through the next week and it's not going so well. So I'll be reflecting on that in the next episode. At least I've got this to put together to keep me entertained right now. You can get in touch with me via Instagram where I'm almond.triangle or by email almond.triangle at gmail.com. Hopefully, no, I will. I will be back in a couple of weeks. I'm thinking positive. Positive.